0: your
1: championship, listen to this crowd.
0: Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of from the diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it is indeed the most wonderful time of the year, it is playoff baseball time, and the Atlanta Braves punched their ticket by clinching the National League East for a fourth consecutive year, and now they have a battle with the Milwaukee Brewers, who walked away with the National League Central, one of the better teams in the National League. You don't get here by accident. The Brewers have been extremely good, and the Braves will start out with a couple of games on the road before they bring this thing home, and we've got an entire preview lined up for you on this episode. I'll be joined by Paul Byrd of Bally Sports to talk about all of it in just a moment. Before I get started, I want to remind you to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I appreciate those ratings and reviews. If you like the show, be sure to share it with a friend as well. If you want to follow along on social media, you can find me at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter, at From the Diamond with no underscore on Instagram. Now, I've got all kinds of other projects going on these days. I've joined up with the good folks over at Talking Chop, and I've got a brand new YouTube show. You can find me and Corey McCartney on Battery Power. New episodes come your way each and every Monday, so make sure you subscribe to Talking Chop on YouTube. You can also find my writing on TalkingChop.com. I just put up a great piece this week, taking a deep dive into some of the great statistics of the 2021 Atlanta Braves. Some of these you might know, others you might be surprised to find out the kind of history that some of these Braves made in the year 2021, so be sure to check that out. And if you're looking for videos and articles and every episode of this show, make sure you check out fromthediamond.com. With all of that out of the way, I want to welcome my guest into the show. He is Paul Byrd. You can follow him on Twitter at paulbird 36 He, of course, is a former Atlanta Brave, longtime big leaguer, and the current sideline reporter for Bally Sports South. Paul, it's been too long since we've had a chance to talk, but we got ourselves some playoff baseball, and the Braves are here once again. Thanks for making some time for me today.
1: I appreciate it, Grant. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see this team compete in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, they've worked very hard to get here, and they had to weather a lot of storms just to get back to October. So before we jump into the preview mode for the division series itself, what jumps out to you most about how this club managed to win yet another National League East crown?
1: Just that, what you said, the resiliency is what jumps out at me. Just the fact that, you know, a lot of people doubted them and they didn't care. They kept playing. They kept grinding. They kept telling us to hold on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weathered the storms of Ronald Acuna Jr. getting injured. Others, Ozuna, they had Soroka, who you were all excited to get back. He goes yeah. down, and then you lose Darno for half a year, and You're just hanging on. And I thought the trades that Alex Anthopoulos made at the deadline were phenomenal. And I thought that gave the team a boost. And the next thing you know, they're battling, they're competing, they're gamers, and they win the division. It's a magical year.
0: It certainly was improbable, I think, of the Braves four division titles. This one probably much more so than the first three. But as we get into the National League Division Series and begin our preview here, I want to start with the starters, and we're going to see some great pitching matchups in the first three games of this series. The Brewers may have the Cy Young Award winner and Corbin Burns on their staff. He's backed up by Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Very good starting three. Brave's going to counter with proven October veteran Charlie Morton, a red-hot Max Fried, a young gun named Ian Anderson who pulled a pretty good Steve Avery impression last October. This was your job in the big leagues for a long time, Paul. What do you see when you size up these starting pitching matchups?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, gosh, really, really great matchups is what I see. Great pitching duels, and you usually have that, you know, in October because to get there you have to have great pitching, so you usually see that. But, you know, Charlie Morton, electric, man, looking forward to seeing him throw that curveball. His season turned around after a little mechanical adjustment. He's an ace, experienced, and then freed. 174 ERA, second half, lowest in all of baseball coming at you. And then Ian Anderson with a 1970s beard. I can't wait to see him <laughs> throw again after one year of experience. Best changeup in the game, in my opinion. Um, interesting. I don't want to make any promises here. Uh, but the Brewers hitters struggle with curveballs, breaking balls. They do not hit that particularly well. And we got two of the best in the games in the right and the yeah. left side. Morton and Freed, so that'll be good. Burns is tough, as you know, mm-hmm. as you said, Cy Young Award contending pitcher, and he's um only bad start was against Atlanta. So Sometimes. could that be in the back of his head? We'll see. I don't know. And then you know Woodruff and Peralta also very very good, but I got to give the edge to the Braves pen. Um, I think that Milwaukee has the best closer in the game, and Josh Hader. Sure. sure, sure. But overall, I think the the Braves bullpen is stronger. And depending on what the starters do, how long they go, you know, could be a game of bullpens.
0: It certainly could. And really, any night can turn into a game of bullpens. And I'll talk a little bit more about yeah. that in just a moment. But I wanted to key in on Charlie Morton because he was the Braves' big acquisition pitching wise this past winter. And now he has a chance to help lead this team into the promised land. And I know there's always a lot to talk about leadership and the value of that. But what effect does having a proven, experienced postseason veteran like this have on the entire pitching staff?
1: Yeah. I mean, you see guys go over to him during the year and him help. He's the elder statements. He's the grandpa, you know, baseball is the only game where you're old when you're 37, Sure, you know, and they're like, how's this guy still here? So when you get somebody like that and, and you have people going over to him, you know, that's, that's a big honor and he's deserved that. And, you know, you've got guys like freed and even Ian Anderson who even though they're younger, um, they also have playoff experience too. Mm-hmm. So they know what it's like. So, You know, that's very, very important when it comes down to it because the crowd cheers and boos with every pitch. Like every strike and every ball, they either erupt or they boo. It's nothing like the regular season. When you haven't experienced that, you don't really know what you're going to get. And both Freed, Annie, and Anderson have experienced that, and they know how to calm themselves down. And then having somebody like Charlie Morton, who's even been to and won a World Series, becomes even more valuable as you hopefully proceed.
0: Yeah, I believe so. And as you look at the advantages that the Braves staff may have, postseason experience, that's clearly on their side. And you brought up something interesting. Not only was it Corbin Burns who had a rough start against the Braves, but Brandon Woodruff was also roughed up once this season as well. So that's worth keeping in mind as we look at these two matches. Yeah. You know, Can I try- say something on sure. that real yeah, no, quick? Go right
1: ahead. Dansby Swanson, who just set a record for shortstops in Atlanta with home runs, is hitting A probably. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's how deep this lineup is so right. you know that's a really you know when you say hey Burns was roughed up a little bit by Atlanta and nobody's surprised because now they have an even better lineup with Duvall and Soler and others so if I'm a starting pitcher which I did for many years and I walk in that locker room and i look on the chair and I see that lineup
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's intimidating
0: no doubt Look at the other two starters. Max Freed, you mentioned. I mean, he's really come into his own the past few seasons. I just, I don't know if we've seen him as good as he was the past two months, though. Braves won 10 of his final 11 starts. Freed's ERA was sub-150. Opponents and OPS under 500 against him in those 11 starts. Paul, this feels like, to me, the classic case of getting hot at the right time when it comes to Freed marching into October. What do you think?
1: No, you're absolutely right. He's, He's as good as we've ever seen him. And, you know, he's hitting his spots. His stuff is really, really good. Like, you know, he's made that little adjustment where he stays back. And you see people, and you see this on Morton too, but you just see people kind of looking stupid on curveballs where they swing at balls that bounce in front of the plate. Mm -hmm. And that just tells me that you don't see pitchers like that that have that spin rate, Morton over 3,000, freed over 2,900. You don't see those kind of spin rates out of other pitchers. So you are going to look stupid on pitches that break you know in a hellacious manner that you just don't see yeah and so when we see those swings and misses that tells me man on top of their game with great stuff
0: yeah and a great time of year to have two guys like that really dialed in morton looked very good over the final couple of months as you mentioned he got his season on track Freed looked red hot and with Ian anderson having some playoff experience that's certainly helpful as well but if we're sizing up these bullpens as we did briefly the braves have had some adventures this year but i think that this group may be a little bit better then it gets credit for, especially in the second half. While on the other side, the Brewers do have Josh Hader. He may be the best reliever in all of baseball. So even without Devin Williams, it feels like Milwaukee's got the X factor when it comes to relief. How do you size up these two clubs when it comes to which one of those groups may have the advantage?
1: That's the area I would give the advantage to the Braves. And I would do that trying to be unbiased and putting my heart aside because I know the guys. And the reason I say that is, can I be honest and say that josh Hader is a better closer yeah obviously i can he is he's lights out that doesn't mean you have no chance in the playoffs but during the season he was lights out the best but when i look at the overall bullpen i have to give the advantage you know to the braves because i think they have a number of setup men who could be closers and you know who have done it before and who were they are the last couple years and know how to breathe in the playoffs. And I think they have very, very good stuff. I'm talking about Tyler Matzik from the left side, 98 miles an hour, you know, and then you look at, um, you know, Luke Jackson's slider. That's elite. And you go, wow. Okay. He was a closer at one time and he's had a great year. You start looking, stacking those guys up. And if Will Smith, who has, at times, been dominant and then at times taking us on a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. It depends on, and he, he'll be the first to tell you that. But if you look at overall, you know, if you say, hey, you could have the Brewers bullpen right now or the Braves bullpen right now, which would you pick? Yeah, I I'd think take the, Braves. the Braves all day long. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd agree me. with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. Again, I feel like it's not maybe not getting hot at the right time but they've had a lot more consistency in the second half even with a couple of the roller coaster rides that were thrown in there the job's getting done more nice than not that's a good thing offensively speaking braves i think far and away are the club to beat there that's what the pitching staff of the brewers is going to have to contend with whether it's these great starters or their bullpen which again is going to be without devin williams Atlanta rebuilt its outfield and lineup with a series of trade deadline deals. And now you've got that group, Paul, you were talking about, one through eight. Yeah. This group can produce runs at a clip that I don't think Milwaukee can match, and I don't think they were able to sustain that kind of production at any point during the season.
1: No, I would agree. And I got to tell you this, Grant, do not put us in a home run contest. No. Because we will win. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen a lineup that has as much power as this lineup has, you know, when you just looked on the scoreboard and you saw, you know, 24, 30, 37, you saw these home runs and it just didn't stop it just went all the way down. And, you know, you factored in that Darno was out and you go, wow, and he's a good hitting catcher, you know, has been has been working through that injury and he's back, I think. So when you see that, I go, man, this lineup's very complete and normally good pitching beats good hitting but this is a lineup that you can't make a mistake to because they can leave the yard at any
0: time. Yeah. It's going to keep you in an awful lot of games. You talked about all those trades that happened at the deadline. I think it was great personally to see Adam Duvall walk through the door. He closed out a career year leading the national league in RBI. What do you think his return meant to this Braves club, particularly as they were grappling with (laughs) trying to find ways to make up for the loss of Ronald Acuna jr.
1: Oh my gosh. I have been such an Adam Duvall fan for years and, and you know, we were both from Louisville, Kentucky, so mm-hmm. I would get a lot of flack for that. But I'm like, no, I know he doesn't hit three fifty, but he's really, really good. And <laughs> anytime you've left him in a lineup, he has done that. Yeah, yeah. He's hit a lot of home runs, he's gotten a lot of RBI. And you can look it up in Cincinnati. So he's, you know, been fantastic. Again, you just know that he's gonna strike out and he's not gonna hit three fifty. But he's clutch. And so when he walked in the door, I mean it was like home. You know? He's yeah, home. Absolutely. And everybody in that clubhouse responded and the Braves fans went nuts. You know, like and then the, the fans <laughs> were mad at Alex Anthopoulos for letting him go. You know, right, it's hilarious right. the way everybody gets and um you know, but it just felt really good and then I, I have to tip my cap to Alex for all the other trades because I think that added to okay, nobody's run away with the division yet. We got this thing. And um, then they started winning after going on a win-loss record streak of consecutive win-losses. They all of a sudden reeled a bunch of wins off. And I was like, man, this team's back and very, very dangerous if we can get to the playoffs, and they did.
0: Yeah, good time of year to be dangerous. I want to throw a stat at you that I did some research on because I just had to know when it came to Adam Duvall. 113 RBI was tops in the National League. Everybody sees that. But when I looked across that stat line for him, 117 hits Paul he is the third man in baseball history to have a season with 110 or more RBI and fewer than 120 hits it's just flat out something that does not happen very often (laughs) Jason Giambi did it in 2006 the only other man in baseball history to do it Negro League Hall of Famer Turkey Stearns in 1927 that's how uncommon the season Adam Duvall just put together truly is when you look at all of baseball history you did some research.
1: Wow. That's really, really impressive. Yeah. We would joke like, okay, nobody's on base, so he's not going to get a hit. And then it would be like, somebody's (laughs) on second. Like, okay, he's, you know, his average just went up like 300 points. So it was pretty hilarious, but you know, I'll call that clutch and I'm glad he's on our side.
0: Well, the return of Adam Duvall was just one part of what Alex Anthopoulos was doing at the trade deadline as he brought over a slew of quality sluggers to try to make up for some of the things that weren't happening in the Braves lineup. Jorge Soler came over from Kansas city. He looked reinvigorated Eddie Rosario from Cleveland. He's healthy and productive now at a great time. And we're all hoping, I think for a great big jocktober from Jock Peterson. Have you ever seen a deadline where it seems like every (laughs) single deal a club makes pays some kind of dividend because I I can't remember too many times the club has made this many trades in that short amount of time.
1: Yeah, I I have not. And I've been with, you know, a lot of different teams and I've, broadcast for a number of years and I've never seen something done like this. And let me say something about that trade. Mm -hmm. It didn't cost the Braves a ton. Yeah. You know, and Alex Jackson, I mean, it didn't cost the Braves a ton. They didn't have to give up, you know, their one, two or three prospect. And that was pretty phenomenal. What Alex did. And when Jack Peterson walked in that locker room, you know, coaches will say that he changed us Mm -hmm. because he walked in and he was so goofy and, you know, Cali and happy-go-lucky and just changed the culture a little bit. Wasn't so stiff. And then we talked about Duval and then you grabbed Soler, who was hurt in Kansas City. And I called my guy with Kansas City, uh, one of their top scouts who I'm really good friends with. And he said, don't let the slow motor fool you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be like a Acuna cartwheeling over the dugout or anything. He's nice and easy and slow. He goes, man, big heart, loves the game. He's going to come through. And he said, that's a great pickup for you. And I was like, man, he's hitting under 200. He's like, no, 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 he was hurt. He's going to be great. So wow. things like that, that worked out. And then, you know, Rosario coming over has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I called my guys in Cleveland and they said, you know, he's struggling. And, you know, he was hurt. And they said, you know, just being honest here, they're like, don't, don't expect too much. Wow, and he comes over and is unreal and I think what you're seeing is players changed by culture mm-hmm. the players coming in and also loving to be in that clubhouse with Brian Snicker other players and everybody added a little bit you know they brought a little bit of something to the table but they walked into a culture that was very fun to be part of you know guys laugh they have fun they work really hard and it's It feels really good in that locker room, and I think that he got healthy, and again, the Braves are in it, and you saw a totally different player. So I think what you're seeing is the culture of the Atlanta Braves, the coaching staff, the type of people that they get, and I think that those guys fit in off the field just as well as they fit in on the field, and that's been another difference maker.
0: Yeah, it's a big difference maker. The Braves got the kind of players that they needed, and those players have really stepped up and been able to deliver exactly what Atlanta was looking for offensively speaking in particular when it comes to those outfielders now it's not just the outfield that's carrying the Braves of course I think it was the infield that really carried the Braves all year long and the guy that really grew up right in front of our eyes was Austin Riley he went from being a talented but unproven commodity into a guy who's going to be gathering some MVP votes down ballot or otherwise and Paul I know you've covered him for years just like I have you've talked to him to him throughout the season. Tell me about what elevated Austin Riley from a question mark back in spring training to a cornerstone for the franchise as we sit here right now.
1: Yeah, you know, i got to give credit to Austin Riley. He checks so many boxes. He's humble. He's a superstar. He's very athletic. He's very strong. And, you know, another box i got to check is he's a good listener. He has worked Mm -hmm. with Kevin Seitzer. He's worked with Chipper Jones. Mm -hmm. He's learned to coach. He went and visited Holes. And, you know, when you start to learn a little bit from everybody and then start to apply those things, all of a sudden I say, man, this guy has got, you know, what it takes to be, as you said, the cornerstone for a long time. He's just an incredibly young talent who came into his own by learning plate discipline, being able to track a slider after seeing them over and over again. And then once that happens, once he started laying off the sliders, hitting the hanging sliders, using all fields, inside outing the ball, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I would not want to face this guy because I wouldn't be sure on how to get him out. And um, he is fantastic, and I really wish he got more MVP consideration because without him, the Atlanta Braves are not going to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. That's something I posted on Twitter just not long ago, and it's not just about – hey who's the clear winner let's go ahead and talk them up because they're the only mvp candidate i still think it's important to have those discussions so that people's good seasons in the case of austin riley a career year just kind of gets the recognition that it should whether or not he's the runaway favorite for the mvp but i think he's got a compelling case to finish somewhere in the top 10 on that ballot we'll see how all that plays out as we look at freddie freeman the guy across the diamond from him he's last year's mvp rough couple of months to start the year offensively for him just wasn't the Freddie Freeman we've come to expect, but by the time all was said and done, he's got those Freddie Freeman numbers again. Led the league in runs, scored for the second consecutive year, the average all the way back to 300 on, basing near 400, hitting his 30 home runs, all of those good things. Paul, you are around Freddie a lot this year. How challenging was this season for him, and thus how much more gratifying do you think it makes this trip to October for Freddie? Uh,
1: it really does, and not just Freddie, but everybody in that locker room says this is the most gratifying because of what they went through, the adversity. Mm-hmm. Freddie's adversity wasn't an injury. He's just hitting the ball hard in April and going right to people. Yeah, And everybody's like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And then you're in May. What's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And Freddie's like, nothing. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. Check my exit velocity. Yeah. I'm hitting the ball to two people. Credit to Freddie Freeman, Kevin Seitz, or Brian Stinker for not asking him to change or yeah. do something different because sometimes in this game you can panic and try different things. And he just continued to do what he always did, didn't change anything. And as the pendulum swung, he couldn't get him out, and the numbers again are where they need to be. So this is a big a big deal for him, and it's a big lesson in baseball, too, about how to not change and know when to make a change and when to stay the same.
0: Yeah, I think Freddie's done a great job of that. Overcorrecting could have been pretty easy, pretty tempting for a lot of players, a lot of people, regardless of if you're playing baseball or not. If something's not going the way that you're used to it going and you used to be very good at that thing, and in fact, you feel like you are still very good at that thing, you might try something uh, completely different to just try to get back to the results you were. But uh, Freddie Freeman staying the course and uh, managing to get right back to doing the things that we're accustomed to seeing is a big part of why the Braves find themselves in October. Now, Paul, you know, as I know, as everyone listening to this podcast knows, that Freddie's a free agent this winter. Uh, What's your level of concern or confidence toward getting that deal done where he'll remain in a Braves uniform for a long time to come.
1: Um, I wish I had the answer to that. So I don't want to make any
0: false predictions here. Sure, but sure. the Braves have to sign Freddie Freeman. I
1: mean, they have to. He's their chipper Jones. He's their organizational guy. That um, you know, deserves what comes his way, and, and he means as much in that locker room as he does out on the field. And I think that the only way he doesn't come back to Atlanta is if he himself wants to play on the West Coast because that's where he's from. And that's the only thing that worries me uh, this off season. But, you know, Atlanta is his home. He's been here. and He's the guy that didn't go anywhere else before and was so committed to this organization. Mm-hmm. And he loves playing for Brian Snicker. And, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine Freddie Freeman taking the field in another uniform. That would be horrifying
0: to me yeah no that's not something i'd want to think about and it's just been interesting to watch throughout his career as he came up playing alongside chipper jones that first couple of years and it just seemed to become ingrained in freddie freeman's just overall demeanor and his just his identity if you will as a big leaguer that he wanted to be an atlanta brave not just for the time that he was going to be as far as just coming up and establishing yourself but this is the place he wanted to play one long-term deal got done he sat through that rebuild that can't have been an awful lot of fun when it comes to not being able to win on a regular basis but now this club is winning freddie's a big reason why and i agree with you the braves the onus is on alex Anthopoulos and company to get this deal done and bring freddie freeman back for a very very long time inside that infield along with austin riley along with freddie freeman we look all over the diamond i think for difference makers is postseason ozzy Albies with a really big year and both he and Dansby Swanson have already had some postseason heroics, some postseason moments, and that experience and those successes have to be driving forces for them as much or more so than the motivation that's going to come for the whole club for that unfinished business they have to feel after 2020, does it not?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. They're, and they'll tell you the same thing. We have some unfinished business. Jock Peterson came over, and, you know, it really hurt when he said they had us. Mm-hmm. They had us last year. Like, we had to pull out some plays and some crazy stuff had to happen to go our way for us to get to the World Series. And I appreciated the compliment, but it hurts, you know, because you're like, (laughs) yeah, we had the Dodgers beat, and they won it all. And that just doesn't sit well with you. And so I think the Atlanta Braves fans are ready. I know they're ready. Mm -hmm. Another thing Peterson said is how loud it gets at Truett in the playoffs and just in regular games. And so I think the fans are going to be loud. I think the Braves got a legitimate chance. And they have unfinished business and that chip on the shoulder. and that, that means something.
0: Yeah, you put all those things together. You've got a very motivated Braves club that has been really having to play some pretty good baseball just to have this opportunity again. And I looked at the series against the Phillies, Paul, where the Braves clinched the division in such an emphatic style by sweeping away the Phillies. That, to me, felt like a tune-up for the postseason and has the Braves ready and where they need to be in the right headspace to go attack a Brewers club that's going to be extremely tough, beginning with two games on the road. Uh, Let me ask you this as we wrap things up here. As you look at this series, I said Braves in four. I don't know if that might be just a a little bit more adventurous than you want to be, but what's your prediction for the National League Division Series between Milwaukee and Atlanta?
1: No, I would agree with you. I, I think you're right. Braves in four. The only team I thought that was better than the Braves was the Dodgers, Yeah, and they just looked better. Like, okay, this is a better team. The pitchers that were running out there, you know, they have this all-world team, and what that means is, for me, anything can happen in the playoffs, and I think the Braves are a much better team now. They're clicking late. I think they are better than the Brewers. Don't care what the overall record says. At this point in time, right now, I believe they are better than the Brewers. And so I think you're spot on with that pick. Baseball is a crazy game. Anything can happen, no guarantees, but it's my favorite time of year.
0: It is the most wonderful time of the year. All respects to Christmas because I'm looking forward to that as well. But when it comes to being a baseball fan and baseball men like we are, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Paul, I appreciate you making all this time. I enjoy it, as always, getting a chance to chat with you, talk Braves and everything else. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and the crew doing the playoff coverage and everything you can as the Braves try to win their way through October. Thanks so much, Grant. Love your show. Keep up the great work. My thanks, as always, to Paul Byrd for making some time for me. As you heard, he's all over the place. He was in and out of the car, but still gave me some good time and some good insight on the Braves and the Brewers as they get set to battle it out in the National League Division Series. Once again, make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. Please share the show with a friend if you'd be so kind. You can find me on social media, at Grant McCauley on both Instagram and Twitter, and you can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter, at From the Diamond on Instagram. Be sure you check out Battery Power. That's coming your way every single Monday. That's the brand-new YouTube show from Talking Chop, myself and Corey McCartney, We'll be bringing you all the great Braves coverage with new episodes every Monday and special content coming your way for the National League Division Series and the Major League Baseball postseason. So again, make sure you subscribe to Talking Chop on YouTube and enable those alerts to get every episode of the show. If you want to keep up with every single thing I have to offer you, whether it's videos or articles or every episode of this show, make sure you check out FromTheDiamond.com for everything. So it is that time. Playoff baseball is upon us. The Braves and Brewers getting set to clash in the National League Division Series. And I'll be breaking it all down right here on From the Diamond. That's a wrap on this episode. For Paul Bird, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. So long, everyone.